Sorry about that, guys. So, um, here we have the Peacemaker. You know, one person is as dangerous as another, and so um, the nickname Peacemaker was given to this. But as much as I like Old West guns, you know as well as I do that this revolver does not live up to its nickname. Now, I believe that our freedom today in this country is largely the result of good men using tools such as this to keep bad men from doing bad things. But if you've even watched one Western show or movie, then you know that the use of this tool doesn't always bring peace. As a matter of fact, it often brings the opposite. What's the opposite of peace? Here's a few words. Fear, worry, unrest, trouble, conflict, war, death. The opposite of peace. Now, obviously, a Colt revolver was not what Jesus was talking about. No, the thing that Jesus was talking about is a person. Because they can be called a child of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they can be children of God. So, what kind of person is a peacemaker? Now, I'm going to give you two examples the first comes from the book of Philemon. This book is in the New Testament at the end part of it. It's only one chapter long, but yet it is very important. Let me introduce you to the people of the book of Philemon. First, we have Philemon. He is a Roman citizen who is a, uh, a probably a well-off man. At least he's well-off enough to have servants, um, one servant for sure. Uh, Philemon is a follower of Jesus, and he is a friend of the Apostle Paul, who is the next character or a person in the, the book of Philemon, Paul. Paul is currently um, in prison as he is writing this letter. And Paul is very specific about his point. He has a very specific reason for writing this letter. Um, do you guys have any idea what this reason might be? To make peace. Now, where is peace needed? Well, it's not between Paul and Philemon because they are friends. This is where the third person comes in. His name is Onesimus. <clears throat> He's Philemon's servant. And actually, uh, Philemon's, uh, he was Philemon's ser servant until he ran away. And why did Onesimus run away? Evidently, there was a conflict between Onesimus and Philemon. Onesimus maybe he stole something, or somehow he wronged Philemon, did something wrong, and they got on, on at odds, and probably because of the conflict that they had with each other, Philemon ran away. 
the two are not on good terms. So let me put this into perspective for you. Um, over here, we have, uh, <clears throat> we have Philemon. And over here, we would have Onesimus. They have spread apart. They are separated. And in the middle, we have <clears throat> Paul, the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul meets Onesimus <clears throat> in jail. Do you know what, uh, what Paul did with uh, Onesimus in prison? What, what do you think that Paul did with Onesimus in prison? Well, we know that Paul does, uh, does things that God wants him to do, and so he tells other people about Jesus, and he disciples uh, people. So Paul discipled Onesimus in prison. <clears throat> Not exactly sure why Onesimus was in prison, <clears throat> But uh, Paul, it turns out, is not only a peacemaker, he is also a disciple maker. Onesimus probably already knew about Jesus because his, his master, Philemon, was a Christian, probably taught him about Jesus. But the, the priority here, the, the thing about it is, is that Paul trained him into being a person who would share the gospel, who would make more disciples. So he didn't just believe in Jesus at this point or know about Jesus. He took it seriously, and he understood that he needed to spread that word. The first priority for Onesimus is to resolve the conflict between him and and Philemon, though. Paul knew this. First priority. Before you share the gospel, let's tie up all the loose ends. Let's solve the problems and the issues that you have with other people. So Paul helps out by writing a letter to Philemon. Check out how good Paul is. He is really a true peacemaker. He says, Philemon, my brother, is how he starts the letter out. He says, man, you are doing good. You're doing good, Philemon. In verse 4, he says, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all of the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Now, as you read through this text, it sounds a little bit like Paul is buttering him up. <laughs> Hey, look, uh, look, brother, good job. Uh, you've been doing good. He's... But, you know, Paul gives credit where credit is due. Philemon is a leader in the local church, and he must be doing a lot of good things if Paul is telling him about the good things he is doing. Paul doesn't just tell lies. But nevertheless, uh, Paul reminds him of these good things right off the bat, right before he makes a big request. And right here in these uh, good things, he brings up something about Philemon. We find the things that characterize peace. Now, Remember the things that are the opposite of peace? 
the list I showed you, fear, worry, unrest, trouble, conflict, war, death. The things that Paul brings up about Philemon, they're the opposite of those. So here's the flip side of it. The other list, this comes from the scripture that we just read. Faith, love, generosity, joy, comfort, kindness, refreshed hearts. All these things he's telling Philemon, good job for, and above all, Christ. The good things that we have in Christ. Remember, brother, the things that we share. The point of us doing what we do. The whole reason that we live. Here it is. The list. It kind of sounds like the makings of a peacemaker. These things spell out peace. This is who you are. Paul says, a man of peace. And then he gets to the specific reason. Paul says, I've got a favor to ask. I've got a favor to ask. I could demand it of you, but we are both followers of Jesus and I don't have to demand it because it's what Jesus would do. Philemon Verse 10, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child Onesimus. I appeal to you to show kindness to him. Paul says, I know you guys have had your differences, but he's a different man now. You see, um, Paul had trained him and um, Onesimus was ready to do the Lord's work. He's actually doing such a good job at doing the, the good work that uh, Paul wants to keep him there with him so he can help out Paul. But there couldn't be peace until Onesimus had reconciled with Philemon. Reconciled. Have you heard that word before? Probably so. Do you know what reconciled means? Well, one of the definitions of reconciled is to restore friendly relations between two people or two things to restore friendly relationship between this is reconciled and it's a lot like peace peacemaking reconciliation now paul wasn't meaning um, that he needed to reconcile to um make peace with the master-servant relationship that Philemon and Onesimus had at one time. He didn't want them to become master-servant again. He was talking about a different kind of relationship, a brotherly kind of relationship. He requested that Philemon accept Onesimus as his equal, as his equal. Now, how is that possible, given their history? How, how can that be? How can they be equal? Well, God created man. Through Jesus Christ, he made them equal. Jesus is our ultimate example of what a peacemaker is. Jesus rec reconciles us through what he did 
on the cross. Now, what, what he did on the cross reconciles us to God and gives us eternal life. Let me illustrate this further in, in sticking with our Old West theme. Consider this, a cowboy who rides into the middle of an Indian camp. He says, I come in peace. He rides right in there. And the first thing, before his horse stops, he says, I come in peace. You know why he says that? It's because, well... Well, the, the white man in the, in the Old West, maybe I should say um, the settler in the Old West, um, the, the, the immigrants you know, who came to America, they had a history of not being good guys. You know, they uh, had a history of, of stealing from the native both the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And so when a cowboy rides into an Indian camp, he says, I come in peace. Well, because if he, he knows that if he doesn't come in peace, if he makes a wrong move, uh, and gives them any idea that he doesn't come in peace, then he's going to die. Just like that. Now, I realize there's a general, generalization that, you know, not all, uh, not all um, cowboys were bad, not all Indians were bad, but for illustration purposes, it's a hairy situation. He wants to come in peace. Check it out. Mankind, human beings, every person that God has ever created has a history of being a bad guy. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when we ride into the kingdom of God, we had better come in peace. Better yet, we better ride into the kingdom of God carrying the peacemaker within us. Jesus is the only way we can actually make it into the kingdom of God. He has reconciled us with his blood. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. If we do not accept his act of reconciliation, then we don't come in peace. And if we die on earth without accepting God's peace offering of his son on the cross, then we die eternally. Now, thankfully, the message of the cross is that God wants everyone to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 2 through 6 says, Pray this for the kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God, one mediator, who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And that freedom ends 
up being eternal life for anyone who believes in him. The ground beneath the cross is equal. All of us need to be reconciled to God, and all of us can be reconciled to God. Anyone can put their faith in Jesus, and that's why we need to get this good news out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says, All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Now, so I want to I illustrate this. If we have uh, us over here and God is over here, we have to be separated because God is perfect and God is good and God doesn't do anything wrong. He is perfect and we are very far from perfect. I'm not perfect. I do wrong things. So we're over here. We cannot come close to God, but in the middle is Jesus. And Jesus is our reconciler. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. The rest of the verse says, do you get it? God blesses the peacemaker and they will be called children of God because his child, Jesus, is the reconciler, his son, Jesus, whom we are to be like, is the peacemaker for us and God. So let's be like Jesus. Let's be like Paul and be peacemakers. Verse 19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The act of being a peacemaker. A peacemaker is pulling, pulling one person who is far from God to him. And Jesus did that through the blood of Jesus being shed on that cross and eternal, uh, eternal salvation through his resurrection. He allows us to be perfect. Even though we're not, we can be perfect, washed and brought close to God. And boy, I get excited about that. Now, let's, let's look at some application. What does Jesus um, teach us about peacemaking? He is the ultimate peacemaker. So um, what does he teach us about it? Well, Luke chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus says, Do to others as you would like them to do to you. So we should love the unlovable. All right? I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Oh, there's a lot, a lot of times when I feel unlovable. But Jesus loves me anyway. And you know, there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus, or they don't know how much Jesus loves them. 
I have the advantage of being a Christian and a follower of Jesus. But not everybody is. So we have to go show those people how much Jesus loves them. It helps me so much to know that he loves me. And so I want others to know the same thing. We have to go to them and love them like Jesus loves you, loves us. So sometimes, sometimes uh, when you try to show somebody love, they don't accept it. Huh? And you always accept Jesus' love? I know that's not the case with me. A lot of times I don't accept Jesus' love. I don't understand why he would love me. So it makes sense to me when I want to show somebody love and they don't accept it. Jesus knows what that's like. He's the peacemaker. How about some more application about doing to others as you would like them to do to you? You know, maybe gossiping, quarreling, fighting among ourselves. The scripture tells us that there is no place for that in the body of Christ. We should live in unity with each other. Hey, every person, uh, everyone um, has that other person that they know that just uh, just gets on your nerves, right? You can be in conversation with them. You know they'll say that one word to where the, the uh, hair will stand up and you'll be like, <clears throat> and you just want to lash out and say words against them, put them in their place. You want to escalate the situation to argue with him, but look, Jesus says, blessed is the peacemaker. So be the peacemaker in that situation. Recognize that that other person, um, even though they may be intentionally trying to make you angry, be the peacemaker. Take a deep breath. Recognize, okay, unity is what we need here. We're going to get nowhere if we're quarreling and fighting among ourselves, spreading gossip. When a believer really steps out of line, by the way, because that happens, love them. And uh, you can use the scripture to uh, correct them in love. If I use my own words, probably not going to go well. But if we use scripture in love, well, that's what 2 Timothy chapter 3.16 tells us. It says, Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach and to help us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It's one of the purposes of Scripture that we have it for. Here's a good place to start if you want to really take being a peacemaker seriously. Read the book of James. Just read that book. It's full of ways to be a peacemaker. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Let me rephrase that or re, uh, relay that to you. Uh, quick to listen, fast to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. The speaking and the angry part has to have the uh, parking brake halfway on most of the time. So it stays slow. And the listening part can be wide open. 
listen, listen, and listen. Uh, don't take sides. How about that? When uh, there's opposition to, against two people and you come into the mix and you say, I'm, I'm going to be a peacemaker in this situation. I'm going to um, help resolve the conflict. Um, don't take sides. Listen to both people. You know, taking sides will destroy the, the good that uh, you want to accomplish. Don't scold or lecture. I'm good at a lecture when it comes to my kids. That's my go-to method. I will lecture and lecture. And uh, they would probably say it. that's not their idea way of of uh, improving or getting rebuked. <laughs> they don't like it. Instead, I should encourage. I should give suggestions. You know, being critical will do far more harm than it will good. Oh, and we should be understanding. If we are to be peacemakers like Jesus is, we should be understanding. We should try to see the other person's side. By doing this, the other person is going to feel valued. Jesus teaches us a lot of good things. But here's perhaps one of the most prevalent things that he teaches. That is forgiveness. Luke chapter 17, verse 4. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns, turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. That's what Jesus teaches so that means in your house, with your family, you forgive. No bitterness or misunderstanding, forgiveness. In the church, with your Christian brothers and sisters, stop trouble before it starts. You know, let's forgive folks. It means on the job, there's a really tough one. When you're at work, how about try to forgive folks. Uh, love them as Jesus loves you. In the community, this is an effective way to be a witness by forgiving people. You know, we're to have peaceful attitudes. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You know, the wisest man in the world, uh, Solomon, he said... Proverbs 16, 7, that when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. What better way could you be a peacemaker than to please the Lord? Then your enemies will love you. Now that sounds crazy. I know. It sounds crazy. It's what our scripture says, though. That's what the... The Bible tells us there must be something to it. Oh, it isn't always easy. Definitely not, especially when we're loving our enemies, living the way God wants us to. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says to work at living at peace with everyone and to work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. 
Now, our faith is not based on works. You absolutely have to understand that, that we are saved by faith through grace, by grace through faith. It's because we put our faith in Jesus that we are saved. When we start living out the Christian life, following Jesus, where the rubber hits the road, we realize that um, being a Christian can be a little bit hard. Okay, a lot hard. So here we have, it takes work to be a peacemaker. We had to work at living at peace with everyone. And James says again, chapter 3, verse 18, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemaker is going to plant those seeds of peace. Now, Let's put this all together. Um, Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. He made peace between us and God. And we are to be the peacemakers like Jesus. And that can be hard. Here's what Paul says in the last part of his letter to Philemon. Remember, he's writing to Philemon, and he wants them to be reconciled together, Philemon with Onesimus. Um, Paul says uh, in the last part, he says, verse 17, So if you consider me your partner, welcome him, he's talking about Onesimus, as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand, and I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Because Paul is the reason that Philemon is a Christian. Paul is the reason that Philemon has eternal life now. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. Paul has some pull on Philemon's life. Paul is is the father of his faith, you could say. He taught Philemon what he knows, and he asked this favor, and he goes the extra mile. Paul made sure he went the extra mile in reconciling Philemon to Onesimus. He says, charge it to me. Paul says, whatever uh, Onesimus did wrong to you in the past, whether he stole something from you or he uh, made some sort of wrong, he shamed you, he says, charge it to me. Paul says, I will absorb the punishment. I will make the payment. You know, that's what Jesus said. He said, not by my will, but yours, God. He said that before he was about to be put on the cross. He said, charge it to me. Talking about all our sin. Everything that we've ever done wrong. It's the kind of peacemaker Jesus is. He says, charge that. Charge that to me. 
all your wrong decisions, everything bad that you've ever done, Jesus says, I'll, I'll take it. As we can see, being a peacemaker can be dangerous. Will you survive if you be a peacemaker? How will it turn out for you? Well, how did it turn out for Jesus? He was in the middle of making peace between God and man. And you know what? Jesus didn't survive his peacemaking endeavor. Or did he? He he absolutely did, as a matter of fact. As we can do the same, we can survive it in the same way by the power of God through the blood of Jesus. Oh, we'll lose our lives here on earth, but we will gain them eternally in heaven. Hey, when your time comes and you ride into the presence of God, can you say, I come with peace? Can you say, I come with Jesus? If you can't say that today, then I want to tell you there's no reason to waste any more time. There's no reason to gamble one more minute with your eternal fate. Jesus' free gift of life, eternal life, is waiting for you. Just put your faith in Him. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful to be here together as your body. Lord, reading your scripture, we are so thankful for the words that you put in this book that we study, God, your life-giving words. God, we thank you for the example that Paul and Philemon and Onesimus gives to us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be peacemakers, that we would be ministers of reconciliation with each other, Lord. Oh, praise God that you reconciled us through Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we are so excited, most of all, for the resurrection. Lord, and I speak both of the resurrection of Jesus. It's already happened. But the resurrection of us, God, that we get to live eternal life. That we may die here, but that's the end of dying for us who put our faith in you. And we live eternally. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.